Hey all you heroes, hawks, heralds, crows, pirates, and wardens. Welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast, where we unpack, discuss, and galaxy brain about all the lore behind the Dragon Age series. We are so excited to bring you this podcast. Every episode, we'll be talking about a different topic in the Dragon Age universe, from character deep dives to exalted marches and elven gods. We will cover it all. There will be spoilers. And always remember, swooping is bad. Hello and welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast, where we talk about Dragon Age and its lore. I'm one of your hosts, Austin, also known as Teacup. And I'm your other host, Shelby or Sheikup. And we are here again with another lore episode, continuing our Creatures of Fatus series. And we have another creepy creature to talk about today. Um, yeah, I mean, it is pretty creepy. It's, 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 um... Basically a spider. Like, we're talking about that. Uh, Vartoral is the the proper proper name for it. But yeah, I do agree they're creepy. And if you don't like spiders, uh, here's some good news. We don't know a ton about it, so most of this episode is going to be devoted to the side character anyway. So, uh, I guess this is our official start to uh, Spooktober. Yeah, it really is. That's I'm I'm going to have to uh rearrange the schedule just to make that a theme now. And right. last October, we started this series for the first time. Thought we did spirits and stuff for last October. No, because for Halloween last year, we did our costume party with the Two Girls, One Shit podcast, and they talked about nugs. Oh, I guess that's true. So anyway, the history of the lore cast, uh, lore cast, lore, if you will. Anyway, <laughs> so let's dive into fun facts about the Vartarau. I know I said earlier that this is basically a spider, but in fact, it is not because it only has five legs instead of eight. So it's not an arachnid. I don't know if that's helpful to those of you who have arachnophobia or not, um, but it's not an arachnid because it only has five legs. We'll have to ask some of our friends with arachnophobia to see if it counts. I mean, we're thinking of one person, I'm sure. It's true. That would that would be you, Kolkashins. I know you're listening. <laughs> Unless he's already turned the episode off. <laughs> okay, so I don't have a ton of fun facts today, but my second one is that Avartral very briefly appears in the Destiny trailer for Dragon Age 2. And then lastly, which we will definitely explore later in the episode, actually not really later, here in just a few minutes, but the Vartaral is very closely associated with elven culture and folklore. So let's get into how they're connected to the elves, 
the history of the Vartorau, how they came to be, all that fun stuff. You might be rolling your eyes if you're one of those people that's like, why does everything always have to be connected to the elves? Buckle up, because according to many Dalish tribes, the first Vartorau was created in the time before Arlathan was founded. And so they have, I wouldn't say they worship these creatures, but they do have like a reverence for them, like almost a like a healthy fear, like you both fear and respect these creatures almost, kind of like Cunari and dragons a little bit. Um, So because these creatures came into being before Arlathan was founded, they see them as like ancient beyond ancient, etc. And we actually learn the origin story for the Vartaral, or at least one, from its codex. So, this is what it says. In the days before Arlathan, there was a city in the mountains beloved by Durthamon, keeper of secrets. Its people were wise beyond measure, thanks to his counsel, and the city flourished. Then a high dragon settled in the mountains, and her hunger threatened the city. The elders cried out to Durthamon for protection as the dragon's rampages struck ever closer. And for three days and nights, the people shut themselves in their homes and watched the skies in dread. On the fourth day, Durthamon heard them. He whispered into the mountains and the fallen trees of the forest gathered, shaping an immense and agile spider-like beast. It was the Vartaral. With lightning speed, vicious strikes, and venomous spit, it drove back the serpent. From then on, it was the guardian of the city and its people. Many years passed. The gods were trapped by Fenharel, and the people were left to gather in Arlathan. But the Vartaral kept its everlasting vigil, guarding Durthamon's city as it eventually crumbled to dust. To this day, it stands there, watching over the rubble. Any travelers foolish enough to wander there find themselves face to face with wrath incarnate. End quote. Thoughts? Questions? Comments? That's interesting, the connection to this one city, and especially to, like, Durthamon, because isn't Durthamon also, like, god of the dead? Yes. And, like, departed spirits? Yes. So that's also interesting to me. No, we got that wrong. Durthamon's twin is the one that's of the dead. Falandin, yeah. But anyway, I just, I do find it interesting because it's like, in theory then, actually I have a lot of thoughts. First of all, this story, this codex entry is so similar to what happens in The Hobbit. Like, Okay, a dragon comes and takes over this mountain, threatening the town below it. The people live in fear and they need someone to rescue them. Like that is literally Bilbo Baggins' adventure to killing Smaug. Am I wrong? You're going to sit there and you're going to tell me that I'm wrong? I mean, it's similar. It's not an exact match, but it's similar. Uh, I found this interesting. One thing that I wanted to kind of it on is this city in the mountains and you know there's Durthamon Mal might not be the god of the dead he does have a close connection being the twin of the god of the dead and so 
I just want you to, I'm going to post something to you in the chat, but it's a sketch from Brother Jenna TV of Navarra City. And I just think it's interesting, the connection, because the necropolis is in Navarra City. And so, and there's like this weird connection with the dead and all of that. So is there some connection of this area of where Navarra is? And the fact that Navarra does situate itself at least near the waking seas and kind of near to Venter. So it wouldn't be that far of a stretch for them to be near Arlathon or the Arlathon forest. Maybe there's some connection here with this city and this ancient elven legend. See, that's interesting. That's very interesting. Uh, I took it in a complete opposite direction because I'm sitting here theorizing about Kirkwall. Um, because we know a that Tevinter, and even though this is before Tevinter, but we know that Tevinter's empire stretched to Kirkwall. That's why they have the chains on the harbor walls. So it it doesn't strike me as odd that the empire that Tevinter thought was mighty that came right before Tevinter could have also potentially stretched out that far. So to me, it's like, well, there's a mountain that overlooks to Venter and Sundermount or that overlooks Kirkwall and Sundermount. And then there's the city. And I mean, I would argue that to Venter's crumbling. That's what the codex says. So is, is the Bartral from this codex entry, the one that we meet in Dragon Age two. That's my, that's, those are all the circles that my brain has been turning in. That's also a possibility, especially since like, this is the only place where we actually encounter Vontrell. Yes. In the entire game. Seriously. Right. 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 So then that leads me to my next point, kind of, which is that, like, in theory, since the Vartral was created to protect the elves, they should never attack an elf. But we know that that has happened several times. Like, the Vartral attacks your party when you go to kill it in two. And even before that, it had attacked Paul, Meryl's friend uh, or former friend, and I think several other members of her clan. So, you know, and I think the the Codex or something else basically says that the Vartral, like they can tell who's an elf by their smell. And so they don't, they're not supposed to attack elves unless it's in self-defense, obviously. Uh, so, you know, regardless of that, they do and they have. And we've seen that in game that they have indeed attacked not or they've attacked elves and non-elves alike without regard for their race um and also how does that impact half elves i'm very curious well it's interesting to me because i want to bring up a point and i know that they're not like the same but in D, when a major magic user creates an entity that outlasts the spell so the main thing is the golems the flesh golems the steel golems the iron golems all of these different golems that they can create it only obeys the creator and once the creator dies it basically cannot be reasoned with and so i wonder if because Darthamin creates the vartrell and maybe while he was still walking the earth for Thetis, 
they would obey and know the else. But now that he's sealed away, they've kind of gone mad without the presence of their creator. And similarly, and I think that this would be another interesting point because both Solus and the ancient elves in Inquisition talk about how the Dalish and the city elves are not like them. So maybe there's a change in their scent all these years, centuries later. I think that's very possible. Um, I think that that is a really good argument. So another question I had was, you know, obviously we see Vartrals living around elves and we know that they, you know, are intimately connected with the elves, like their existence. However, we often see them living around or near ancient elven ruins, specifically like the Alluvians. What do you think that suggests? So you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, but when we go through the Alluvions to the crossroads in Trespasser, we're in Arlefin City. Dude, I don't know the answer to that question. I would I have can't to research ever, it. I don't remember if that's the case or whatever, but we know the Alluvions connect places. It's like a place where you can travel between and get there, and that, that's why they're racing against Griffius because if he got control of the Alluvian network, he would be able to traverse all of Thetis in an instant. And that would be detrimental to everyone. And so I guess my theory here is that the Vartrells are guarding the Alluvians because it is a ridiculously powerful artifact and anyone who could have it could wreak havoc on Vetus. Yeah, that's true. It also, the fact that they linger there makes me wonder if Durthamon was connected. Like maybe he's the one that created the Alluvions in the first place. It's possible. I mean, he is the keeper of secrets, so it is up there with something he would do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, let's get into the basics here. So, in, in addition to these interesting lore connections, we know a little bit of information about how they live. They tend to live in secluded places, which we see in Dragon Age 2 with the one that inhabits Sundermount. Um, we also know that they hunt big game like elk and bears. To me, because they're they're predators of big game, that suggests that they probably have an important role in the ecosystem of Thetis, which also to me suggests that there's not just one, like that there's a lot more of them than just the one or two that we've seen. So according to the tabletop RPG book, the only creature that the Vartaral is a prey of is the dragon. And even dragons don't always win fights when they take on a Vartaral. So basically they they live unopposed like they are the apex predators yeah i mean it's interesting to me the vartrell like and it's top of the food chain status other than like dragons and even then they can defend themselves against dragons and so it's interesting to me that they are up there when it seems like a dragon could easily just like squash one you know what i mean i mean yeah they also are very spiky so I don't know. But basically, that's all we know about them. We um, have a few examples of places we've seen them to go through. But like, that's that's the information we have. Like, it's not a lot. 
So we've seen them in four places throughout all three games, throughout all the books and comics, only four places. So the first place we ever see them is in the Dragon Age Origins Witch Hunt DLC, which is the DLC where you go to find Morrigan. And um, basically, a Vartaral attacks the Warden Commander, Ariane and Finn, who are two of your companions. And they attack you, or it attacks you when you're in the Dragonbone Wastes. Everyone is super surprised by its presence. And they basically hypothesize that its presence has something to do with the Alluvion that's in the area. Hence my previous question. And then obviously we see one in Dragon Age 2. It's a main major plot point. Um, with Meryl, it had taken the lives of three Dalish hunters and Meryl's friend Paul. So it killed four Dalish elves. Uh, Meryl and Hawk then killed it in 934 Dragon. And then somehow, three years later, it revived itself and attacked Hawk's party again when they returned. So that's confusing. We don't know anything about how that happened. Just magic mumbo jumbo, I guess. The Force. Oh, sorry. Wrong fandom. Wrong podcast. Not, not the Force. Not this time. Um, and then we'll go to two book references in the Masked Empire, Grand Duke Gaspard and Empress Celine's parties under a temporary truce, actually combat of Artural that is there guarding the central alluvion like activation chamber area. So again, we see a Artural in connection to an alluvion. Coincidence? I think not. I don't know. Once It's happened twice now. So pretty suspicious if you ask me. And then the last and most recent place that we've seen of Artural is in the Dragon Age The Missing comic that just recently finished up. And so we see Varric, Lace Harding, Strife, and Ireland sneak past a Vartaral in the Arlathan Forest. And they are trying to gain entrance to a temple that holds the Crucius Stone. So while this one is not specifically guarding an Alluvion, it is close by an ancient artifact. So to me, that's suspicious as well. There is such a connection to these ancient Elven ruins and the Alluvions. What are these Vartrell guarding? Mm-hmm. Great question. Great question. So that's pretty much all I have about the Vartrell. Do you have any final thoughts about them before we kind of wrap it up and go to our mid-break? Uh, make sure that when you do it, especially if you're going on Nightmare, that you will be forced to have Meryl in your party. So if you are not running to mages, you'll definitely want to make sure that Esther's is there with you if you're playing on Nightmare. Are you speaking from experience? No. <laughs> All right. Well, let's head to the mid break. What makes your ram so special? Well, he's always brought the family luck, and his advice helped us make our fortune. Your ram offered advice. How do you get your hair to do that, Dorian? With magic, with proper hygiene and grooming. Maybe all three of you should get acquainted. Kirkwall's not brown enough for me. But hey, no darkspawn. Ferelden wasn't that brown. The dirt and muck gave it character. 
All right. Well, welcome to the middle of the show where we take time to thank our patrons. Thank you so much to all of our patrons and support that you give us there. A special thank you to our first patrons, Lisa M and Genesis, and a special thank you to the Nug King, Lewis H. Yes. Thank you for your support and everything that you can do there. If you cannot support us on Patreon, we totally get that. Uh, you can leave us ratings and reviews on Apple or Spotify. And if you do that and leave us some kind words, we will read it out on a future episode of the show. Uh, so today we do have a Spotify comment uh, from Emily, and this is on the Bogfisher, Druffalo, and Gurgut episode. And her review says, I love this podcast. For someone who will on occasion skip the codex, this is fantastic. Where I live in Scotland, I have no one to discuss this world with. So thank you so much, Cups. Thank you, Emily, for your kind comment. We are glad that we can help you dive deeper into the world of Dragon Age, which is the whole reason we started this podcast. And so we really appreciate that. Last thing to shout out is, you know the drill by this point. If you're new, uh, come join us on Discord. You can hang out with us there at the Cups Podcasting and more Discord server. That link's in the episode description. And that's all I have for the mid-break. So I think we can get back into the episode. Have a care where your eyes linger, Alistair. Yes, well, don't worry. It's not what you think. I see. I was looking at your nose. And what is it about my nose that captivates you so? I was just thinking that it looks exactly like your mother's. I hate you so much. I was one of the crows you hired to kill the Grey Wardens. I thought you looked familiar. Well, I just wanted to report that I failed my mission, Logan. You don't say. I'm terribly broken up over it. Hmm. Well, thank you kindly for informing me. You fear barbarians will swoop down upon you. Yes, swooping is bad. All right, so our side character today, which is kind of almost a mini character deep dive because we know a lot of information about this one, is a side character named Sutherland, who you may or may not know. Do you know who Sutherland is, Austin? Um, He is a... Person do you know in Inquisition? Okay, I was gonna say, do you even know what game he comes from? But congratulations, you do. He wants to be a mercenary captain, but isn't a mercenary captain. Then can become a mercenary head of group, but he has his own company, and there are a bunch of world war table missions that you can send them on. Okay, so you know a lot about him, but he's not quite a mercenary. He wants to just be part of the Inquisition, but. Yes, so he can play a major role in several War Table missions, and his first name is Donal, not Donald, Donal Sutherland is his name, and he is a very young, very inexperienced, very green young man who witnesses a bunch of bandits attacking and stalking Inquisition patrols. And so he comes to the Inquisition and basically is like, hey, I want to help take down these bandits. Please let me help. Give me resources so I can help you. You can find him on the second floor of the Herald's Rest in Skyhold. And if you talk to him, you can get a bunch of quests for the war table. And so that's how his story kind of begins. 
So these quests for the war table are, and I, I believe that these are in order, um, but they are new to the crew, a young hopeful, a patrol for the crew, outfitting the crew, a test of metal and the crew, a crew of ambassadors, a crew of adventurers, Sutherland and company missing, a company of heroes. So there are quite a lot of quests, correct? But in the beginning, when he offers his help to the Inquisitor, you can either accept or turn him down. If you use him to get rid of the bandits, he then recruits an elven mage named Voth to join his crew. At this point, you can encourage Sutherland to keep building his company or or not. You don't have to, but you can. In a patrol for the crew, which is the second quest, you can send Sutherland and his company out on another quest where they are tasked with patrolling the Skyhold area. And Shade, who is a human archer, will join the crew after that. Shade and Sutherland do then begin a kind of like flirtationship throughout the game that will eventually turn into an actual real relationship by the time of Tevinter Nights. And when the Inquisitor goes to visit with Sutherland next, they are instead met by someone named Rat, who we learn is Sutherland's like runner. They deliver messages and stuff. Rat informs the Inquisitor that Sutherland has now gone missing and basically gives the Inquisitor a map of their latest adventure and is like, we don't know where he is. Please help. So the Inquisition can offer the job to some volunteers. The Inquisition's soldiers can flush them out or the situation can be announced as a hunt in hopes that local nobles will take up the challenge to find this group of people. Either way, the Inquisitor can find the crew at the Storm Coast fighting Darkspawn, and so the Inquisitor can then personally step in to help them fight off the Darkspawn. When the Inquisitor then approaches Sutherland and his newfound company of heroes, Sutherland offers the Inquisitor money to recuperate the upfront costs associated with training them. The Inquisitor can either accept, allow Sutherland to keep the money, or to advise Sutherland to go and sponsor another company just like him. So after all of those quests, and I know I I blurred them all together, but the Inquisitor can interact with Sutherland one more time. This time, Sutherland informs the Inquisitor that the company has plans to leave and find a keep of their own, though they will remain an adventuring company for the Inquisition. All in all, throughout Dragon Age Inquisition, Sutherland and his company go from being a new, inexperienced group of wannabe fighters to renowned heroes of the Inquisition. It's a great story. It very much sounds like a D&D campaign to me. It does. It does sound like a D&D campaign. Um, especially, it's very similar to your first D&D campaign story. Not really at all. You like gave us a box of things to deliver and there were way more dragons than Sutherland has. And we also encountered a king and his son and his other son and his other daughter. Uh, Sutherland doesn't do any of that. Right. But you all were a seemingly unknown group. And then 
get up to a point of vast importance. I suppose you have an argument. (laughs) You basically saved a country and then overthrew their government. No, that is incorrect. We saved a country and their government collapsed, at which point we stepped in out of the generosity and goodness of our hearts. You could have appointed anyone. (laughs) No, you couldn't have. Not in that. Not in that world. Let's get back to Dragon Age, though. So Sutherland's story, it does not stop in Inquisition um, because they also show up in the Mage Killer comic and in the Tevinter Knights book. So in Mage Killer, when Corypheus reopens the breach over Haven, Sutherland's adventuring company alongside Marius and Tessa for Scythia, they are sent to basically like clear a route up through the ruins of the temple to provide the Inquisitor with reinforcements. And so in the caves under the temple, they face a lot of various demons, including a massive pride demon. And um, there's a situation where like Shade jumps on a demon's back and is like almost about to die. But Tessa pushes her away at the last minute and like takes the force of that blow. Um, Even though Tessa is very injured by that, Marius and the company do eventually defeat the demon and clear the passageway for the Inquisitor. Um, and Sutherland's company, they pretty much escape escape unscathed. Um, but then into Winter Nights, we have a little bit more depressing story, a uh, frightening story, I would also add. This is in the callback chapter. We meet Sutherland once again, though he is now Sir Donal of the Hinters and is a landed knight. His company is sent to investigate Skyhold after its caretakers sent a message about restoring the fresco and then went silent. They have not heard from anyone at Skyhold in a long time. So Sutherland and at least a couple of his friends show up and find one of the caretakers has been like killed and gutted and nailed to the stables by his apparently own hand. The rest of the people in Skyhold have been dismembered and their body parts are kind of just like scattered all over. So it's a very gruesome scene and the culprit very quickly manifests. It is the demon of regret and the body of this demon is formed out of the plaster of Solus's murals to the Inquisitor. The demon has multiple eyes and looks like a wolf that has absorbed a dragon. It claims to be, quote, the regret of a god. So, yeah, go ahead. Just, I know this isn't about Sutherland, but I just, the theories of a wolf that absorbs a dragon and the fact that the last time we, one of the last times we see Solus, he is, quote unquote, absorbing the spirit of Flemeth Mithal, who is most notably able to turn into a dragon, and Solus is the dread wolf. That I'm just going to let everyone figure out, figure out where I'm going with that for them, themselves. It is very dreadful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so anyway, uh, back to Sutherland. So, they're here with this demon, um, and basically, like, what the demon does is if it makes you feel regret, like you get incapacitated. And so the demon neutralizes 
Sutherland's friends, Voth and Shade, because of their regrets. But Sutherland is unaffected because he has no regrets, at least when it comes to the Inquisition. And so they had planned to have backup arrive. And so Rat, who is now his squire, but also Dagna, Herit, Morris, Cabot, and Alain Vimal all show up to help Sutherland. With his friend's trust in him, he lures out the demon, saying that he regrets acting alone, he regrets using his friends, and he regrets the present moment, the demon itself. And so at that moment, that's when everyone kind of steps out of the shadows and they all attack this demon together and send it back to the Fade. And that's the callback chapter in Tevinter Nights. I think it's really, really sweet. That's when Faye Sutherland is like, I don't have any regrets about the Inquisition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was the best thing in my life. And like, why would he? The Inquisitor, especially if the Inquisitor has like done all the missions, like the Inquisitor did nothing but train you and invest in you. Like, of course, it was like the good old days for you. So that makes total sense to me. Uh, but I also love this story and his inclusion in Tevinter Nights because we see like he is no longer this like young kid who is inexperienced, who is a child playing at being a grown up like he's matured a lot. Um, he's an adult now. And so I I do very much appreciate that kind of growth for such a minor forgettable side character. Or missable, too. Yeah, absolutely. So I do have some trivia before we kind of wrap this episode up. Now, interestingly enough, we never knew his first name until the Mage Killer comic was released. Like, we went through the whole of Inquisition. Like, if you've just played that game and you haven't read this comic, you would have no idea what the man's first name is. You might think Sutherland is his first name. So there's that. Um, Also, interestingly enough, the new to the crew quest for his group takes place near his home, near his hometown, which is somewhere between Lothering and Southreach. So he is a Ferelden boy. So uh, my last little fun fact, fun piece of trivia is that Sutherland, in my opinion, is one of the very few East Asian coded characters that we get in all of dragon age um i know there's some argument about this online to me he looks he looks asian um and so i personally hope we see more of him and that we can you know give some more representation to this group who is like notoriously underrepresented throughout all of the dragon age games yeah i hope we can do that as well um I want more representation of all of that. I really like Sutherland. I think he is a good example. I always like starting the Sutherland quest after you have the interaction with Bull of where you have to meet all the other people because it makes, for me, it makes good story sense of like, oh, I got all this advice from Bull and then I meet this Sutherland person. I'm like, oh, let's get that going. Yes, and I agree. I I very much think that his story is pretty reminiscent of the Chargers um, 
and just like I feel like the Chargers very much served as an example for him um, just with everything we know about what he does after Inquisition um, it very much strikes me as as he looked to them as influences as role models and I really hope at least somewhat even if it is just a codex entry or something but that we get some reference that you know Sutherland is in some kind of leadership with this hunt for solace or whatever is going on in DAD whenever it comes out. You know, I hope that there he isn't just like, oh, well, he's done and we've done some stories. I hope he is. We continue to see that trajectory that he's on. And now he's like this advisor, this seasoned warrior, this seasoned military person who is there to offer advice now as opposed to get advice and get trained. Yeah, or even someone who's like, a mover and a shaker in Ferelden politics, like someone who has mm-hmm. climbed up the ranks, basically. That would be really cool. Yeah. But that's all I got for Sutherland. Yeah, me too. Well, let's wrap it up. All right. Well, before we go, a special thank you to our Nug King tier patron, Lewis H., who gets thanked at the end of every episode. Uh, if you'd like to find out more about us, come join the Discord. You can visit our website, Cups Podcasting, and more. Or follow us on X, Twitter, whatever the heck it's called now, at DA Lorecast. You can come hang out with us, chat with us, tag us, do whatever you need to do. But thank you all for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. You can find us on Twitter at DA Lorecast. If you have any lore questions, topics to unpack, or side character suggestions, join our Cups Podcasting and More Discord server. It's easily the best place on the internet. You can also support us financially through our Patreon. You can find us there on patreon.com slash dragonagelorecast. The Dragon Age Lorecast is part of the Robots Radio Network. For more information about the Robots Radio Network, join the Discord server via the link in our episode description. If you enjoyed the show or learned something new today, please subscribe, leave us a review, and join the Patreon. And if you enjoyed our intro and outro music, give a big thank you to Pipe Man Studios. Thank you, Pipe Man. Thanks again for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. We'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Aaron. And I'm Ariel. And we're the hosts of the Legend of Zelda Lorecast, a podcast about all things Legend of Zelda, from Errol to Zora. And all the fun things in between. If you're ready to dive deep and learn more about the Legend of Zelda lore and everything surrounding it, come join us on Legend of Zelda Lorecast. You can find us on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google, or wherever else you get your podcasts. We hope to see you soon.